So, it's our eighth Valentine's Day coming up. Yeah, it sure is. And you know what I want to do more than anything else? Hmm. Talk about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome to Episode 7 of Chris's on Infinite Earths in our Crisis on Infinite Earths saga. Yep, we know it's confusing, but if you stuck with us this long, you'll probably be in it for the long haul. We are, this is over the halfway point. We are over the, the hump, as they say, of Crisis on Infinite Earths. We sure are. So if you have not been following along with us for episodes one through six of our Crisis on Infinite Earths arc, take a moment. We'll wait for you. A moment. Like, take six hour moments. <laughs> And go back and give episodes one through six a listen, uh, unless you are already super familiar with Crisis on Infinite Earths and you really just want to hear us talk about issue seven. Well, you know what they say, apparently, the podcast where people tend to come in on in the most is like the current one. More people listen to your current episode of any podcast than going back to the beginning, which in this case is probably a terrible idea, but... Hey, it's it's a big action-packed issue, you know. Yeah, maybe our most action-packed issue, at least in the Crisis on Infinite Earths chapter. And, and a fairly famous issue with a cover that we have a fantastic a parody of? Would would you call it a parody? An homage to? A paromage? It's 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 kind of a tongue-in-cheek it, one. It's a lighthearted take on the cover of this issue. Right. It's currently my Twitter avatar. Mine, not the podcast. The, we still use our fantastic podcast logo for um, our avatar on Twitter. So if you follow at Strictly Worse on Twitter, then you'll see the art that we're referring to. Uh, which kind of like, imagine opening this comic or looking at the front of this comic and being like, oh, I guess I know what's going to happen in the middle of it. But, I mean, they do that all the time, right? So... Readers, the front of this comic that we're talking about, well, do we want to get into it now? Or do we want to first summary? Yeah, let's do summary. In our most action-packed issue yet, we open on the trio of Harbinger, Alexander Luther, and Pariah discussing their plans to bring representatives from six Earths to enlighten them, and us poor, confused readers, on the origins of all this mess. We quickly move to Earth-S, where we see more villains disappearing suddenly. It appears as though Brainiac is absconding with them for a nefarious purpose. Lila moves to each Earth to gather her representatives. Superman from Earth-1, Superman from Earth-2, I know, I know, it's confusing, Captain Marvel from Earth-S, Uncle Sam from Earth-X, Blue Beetle from Earth-4, and Lady Quark from Earth-6. She then tries to explain the origins of the multiverse and the twin monitors. This is kind of long, so I'm going to try to give you a quick rundown. After all, this is the summary. Back when the Guardians of the Universe were the cool kids on the block, a renegade named Krona tried to see the origin of the universe. That act of which caused a huge backlash, which splintered the universe and also created the antimatter universe. 
The anti-monitor was also spawned, the backlash of which also created the monitor. They sensed each other and dueled, the act of which put them into stasis. Enter that rascally pariah who pretty much pulls a Krona, but even worse. Instead of making a multiverse, he accidentally unleashes antimatter into his universe, which destroys it, but also informs the anti-monitor of his ability to gain strength by destroying the positive matter universes. Also, we get Lila's origin, which is basically the monitor found her as a child in a shipwreck. Kind of a letdown. The heroes gather for Alexander Luther to burrow a tunnel into the anti-monitor's domain as they prepare to fight him. Pariah offers to lead them to atone for his sins. They fly into the antimatter universe towards the antimonitor's stronghold. However, the stronghold itself molds into monsters and fight the amassed heroes. Superman and Dr. Light manage to break through into the center of the stronghold, where they find a machine that reduces the vibrational differences between the Earths. Superman is prepared to destroy it when the duo is accosted by the anti-monitor himself. The Anti-Monitor wrecks Superman handily, but Supergirl comes to his rescue and in a fit of righteous anger destroys the dread machine and nearly destroys the Anti-Monitor's corporeal form. He flees, but not before dealing the incredible heroine a mortal blow. The heroes grieve for Supergirl, especially Batgirl, who delivers a moving eulogy at her funeral. The issue closes on Superman flying Kara Zor-El's body into space, saying he will miss her forever. So now that you've heard the summary, I don't feel so bad saying the cover of issue seven is Superman weeping, holding the deceased body of Supergirl. Yeah, it's uh, this this cover has become it's probably the most iconic cover of the crossover, I'd say. This cover has been homaged a whole bunch. It's it's uh, kind of a classic, as they say. And in the, in the background, we see, like, every DC superhero looking on uh, in sadness, uh, kind of in, in in monochromatic color scheme. Yeah, especially, um, it's interesting to me, because, like, well, plenty of them weren't even there, even though this seems to, this cover seems to be set in the um, negative matter universe. But there's a bunch of heroes that were not there with them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, uh, readers, my tablet's out of battery, so you may be hearing a little bit of page turning in this particular um, episode of Chris's on Infinite Earths. Therefore, you know that I am not a fake comic book fan since I actually bought this issue in paper, which is apparently the way God intended it. <laughs> I say issue. I bought it in trades. I don't have this in issues. <laughs> so uh, our first page is uh, little Alexander Luther montage. They. George Perez loves drawing him with these sparkly stars on him. He yeah, just, he's a space he's, al- boy. he's always in space, so he's always got space reflecting on him. I just feel like he's half space. I know. I know. But he's not <laughs> always drawn part space. Alexander Luther, half man, half if space. If you catch him out of the corner of his eye, you just see space. You just see space. You're worried that you're, that you're in space or like it's nighttime. You're like, oh, hey. Hey, Alexander, mm-hmm. what's going on? Yeah, and we kind of see in the, the, the background his whole story of him leaving his world as it's being destroyed, his parents looking on, him arriving on the monitor satellite, and then becoming awesome. So it's almost like a little glamour shot set up. Yeah, and I'm not, Luther. I'm not sure if this is actually a page from the comic or if it's a pinup or something they added later, but 
Um, it's really cool. It's that, that good, good George Perez stuff. Uh, yeah. If you're a huge Alexander Luther fan, I could see how you <laughs> there are want none. that <laughs> up on your wall. <laughs> Alexander Luther doesn't appear like after this and for like nearly 20 years or more, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, about 20 years. You mean this story hasn't, didn't pull in hundreds and thousands of the hearts of comic book fans ever into Alexander Luther's story. Oh, I, okay. I was going to say, if you, if you just like stopped before that, I was like, well, it's like pretty popular. <laughs> I mean, I, into, yeah, I they didn't know. invest him in these brand new characters that they brought in yeah. that, that are supposed to tell the story. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right. So on the first page of our comic proper with like panels and words and stuff, um, we're 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 kind of back to where we were with Alexander Luther and Lila just sit- on the space rock. Yeah, just sitting out there on a space rock, and then Pariah appears. He just appears on the space rock. I love that when Pariah has his hood on, you just see his eyeballs. Yep. And um, you know, eyeballed Pariah in his cloak appears and talks to Alexander and Lila and talks about how this is the calm before the storm. Things look pretty stormy beneath them. They've got like a tornado of planets. When was the when was like the not storm? Because if you call this the eye of the storm, maybe, but they specifically um, Alexander says the calm before five universes destroy themselves. I feel like these three like have one mode and it is intense. Mm hmm. And the three of them agree that it's probably time for some explanations to like these five worlds as to what's going on. Yeah. And your two, uh, your two hosts of a certain podcast agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would have been nice to have some of this maybe before we were already, we're, we're seven issues in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good to know some origins. Mm-hmm. So Pariah teleports them um, all all to Earth. Although it's funny because she says, take us to Earth. And Pariah just knows which one she's talking about, even though there's five. Yeah. Well, they have to go to all of them, so. Yeah. But we're first going to go on our next page to Earth S. Yeah, we sure are. So we have some uh, fun characters on this page. We start off with some villains who I did not know prior to uh, Crisis. Um, But we have Dr. Savannah Mm -hmm. and Ibak. Yeah, I didn't know about Ibak, but I knew Dr. Savannah. Dr. Savannah is like the ultimate Captain Marvel villain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, Ibak kind of tags along with him a little bit here. Um, he's part of the Monster Society of Evil. Right. Uh-huh. Which, that's another Yes, Captain and he's Marvel got group. some superhuman strength. Not a surprise, considering he's a shirtless buff dude. Uh, with, like, and... a tiny little tuft of hair yeah, agility, stamina, and endurance, near invulnerability. So he's he's a strong man. He's a strong man. He's a strong man with not much hair. Yeah, who's with a with a small dude who's real smart because you can tell because he's small and he's got glasses he and he's bald. Glasses and a coat. <laughs> um, but he, but he's a genius and a brilliant inventor. Right. Um, what I love about Doctor Savannah here is that he is immediately trying to come up with a plan to conquer five Earths, and then in um. Captain Marvel appears to, um, I guess, see what he can do about stopping Dr. Savannah and Ibak. 
Although, then they just kind of disappear like the villains in the last issue. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Savannah says, bye-bye, Cheesy. Because uh, he calls him the Big Red Cheese. The Big Red Cheese, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we, then we see his thoughts of like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm not going to let him know that. Captain Marvel comics are so ridiculous, and I, I, I love that they kind of brought a little bit of that in here, even though it's just for a, a few panels. Mm-hmm. So then we uh, see... Um, some of the rest of the superheroes coming to join Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the favorite of mine, uh, which is I had no idea uh, about our our little our little tiger guy, Mister Talkie Tawny. Yeah, you didn't know Talkie Tawny. I did not know Talkie Tawny. Yeah, they... and I feel like I've been missing out on this fantastically costumed talking tiger. Yeah, he's a ta- he's a talking anthropomorphic tiger. Kind of, um, that's kind of his deal. <laughs> Lives in on Earth S. Yeah, really can't do much beyond being a tiger. Apparently, though, sometimes people give him like shape shifting abilities. Yeah, I've never read odd. a comic where he had shape shifting abilities. Yeah, so we we've got a he's he's from the Captain Marvel kind of crew as well. Yeah, Earth S. Yeah, Earth S is literally just the Captain Marvel people. It seems ridiculous and a lot of fun. Yeah. Captain Marvel was, um, well, like the Captain Marvel comics were once like the, the best-selling comics in the entire country. Mm-hmm. It's been a while, though. Now he's not even published. Oh, how the mighty. So we go to space where we find out that Dr. Savannah and Ibeck have been grabbed by Brainiac. Mm-hmm. We see Brainiac ship and then just two little panels of that and they're gone. Yep. So, we uh, have back on, um, is this Earth-S that we're, yeah, we're still Mm Earth-S, because we've got Captain Marvel and uh, Wonder Woman and Supergirl, and is that Captain Marvel Jr.? Captain Marvel Jr., Mm -hmm. and then Mary Marvel shows up with Uncle Marvel. Uh Uh-huh. I love it as Dudley. Yeah. The the best, the best name, Dudley. Uh, To which Beast Boy exclaims... Captain Marvel, Mary Marvel, Captain Marvel Jr., now Uncle Marvel. If Kid Marvel, Baby Marvel, and Fetus Marvel show up, I quit. Uh, we might come back to that <laughs> one later since uh, Christy just blurted out one of my accolades. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a runner-up accolade of mine. Well, maybe so... I'll have to find a different one. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was. I, that, I, so I wanted to make sure I mentioned it. When we went over it because I knew I wasn't picking it, but now I feel bad. Well, this is the downfall of the accolade system because we don't tell each other what we pick. That's so we true. might call something attention to something. It's not your fault, Christy. So um the the heroes come to the conclusion that the you know, that we know last issue that Captain Marvel was had his emotions being controlled by Psycho Pirate. And that the other heroes came to sort of help them out and to sort of explain the situation about the matter and antimatter and why they had to move the Earths around. Mm-hmm. And Harbinger sh- shows up. Lila shows up. Oh, yes. Lila. She's no longer Harbinger. She is Harbinger Harbinger's free. gone. Yep. This comic she's... is now 100% Harbinger free. She's just a lady in a lot of pink cloth. Yeah. It's funny because Harbinger... So Lila, a lot of pink cloth. Harbinger, blue bikini. Or not blue... One piece. I guess it's not a bikini. Uh, yeah. Headgear, ponytail, Lila. Just a lot of flowing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Lila 
is basically like, we have to explain everything, but we need to talk with one representative from your Earth. Because it's a rule I came up with. So, um, it's just, it's, I guess, assumed it's going to be Captain Marvel, but we'll see that in a couple of pages. So now we're back on Earth 2. Earth 2 being the one, the golden age of superheroes, Earth. So superheroes came about in the 40s and age to present day. So a lot of them are kind of old at this point or old-ish. Mm-hmm. And we see Yolanda Montez as Wildcat looking down uh, on some of our heroes there. Mm-hmm. Specifically, Green Lantern, Adam, and Liberty Bell. Mm-hmm. Is it terrible that I, I, when I heard Liberty Bell, I just thought about Glow? Oh, but... <laughs> yeah. Like, the... <laughs> I think Li- Liberty Bell with the E at the end is, I, I feel like, is probably not, it has probably been used more than just those two times. Right. It's kind of a fun pun. Mm-hmm. So the heroes who are talking, so Adam Green Arrow and Liberty Bell, now again, Earth 2 varieties, are talking about, they're kind of having a bum out about the original Wildcat. Yeah. And also, like, are we getting real old? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, well, maybe I'm not good enough yet, so maybe I can't introduce myself yet. I gotta prove myself. Right. It is interesting, like, imagine, like, like, so let's say Superman dies, and then, like, the next day some rando shows up in a Superman costume. That's kind of kind of weird. I right? mean, that's literally what happens after Superman dies, but... <laughs> <laughs> it happens... That happens after, like, everybody dies. Mm-hmm. Well, not everybody, but there's it happens a lot. So I can understand how people would be creeped out by that. Right. So then we pop on over to Earth 4. Now, Earth 4 is a reminder. It's been a bit since we've released an episode, so I kind of wanted to give people yeah. little reminders. Earth 4 is the Earth that was based on the Charlton comic superheroes, um, like Blue Beetle and The Question and Peacemaker. They are, if you've read Watchmen, the Watchmen characters are based off of these heroes. Mm-hmm. So we see that Pariah has come to them, and we see we see Peacemaker and Block, and uh, we see Captain Adam, Martian Manhunter, and is that Katana? Katana? Yeah, yeah, Katana's there, and Blue Beetle in Nightshade. Mm-hmm. So we see, so Pariah's got his hood up, so we just see his weird eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, uh, we need somebody to come with us. To hear about what what happened. Yeah, the first half of this issue is kind of set up for the really dynamite second half, but it's. Can we talk about how many times we've had like heroes like we brought? We need you to come with us so we can tell you these things. Yeah, um, Crisis could probably be a lot shorter um, if things were if more things were just assumed, but they do really want to like show everything. Like right. I feel like in a comic coming out today, they would just have like somebody going to one universe. And then it would zoom to that later scene where there's all the representatives. Right. And just assume that, yes, we went there and we had the same sort of conversation with all of these. But nope, we're, we get to see them all in this super, super long issue. This is a, this is a double-sized issue. So mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of going through these pages a little bit quicker than we might normally go through them. Um, but it's because it's really long and we still kind of want to stay at an hour, even though we somehow magically tend to stay at an hour, regardless of how much we talk about. I, I don't know. Time is a, f- time is a flat circle. <laughs> so then we go to Earth X. 
which Earth X is the one where World War Two went on for a lot longer. The superheroes from this are the freedom fighters led by Uncle Sam. They got Phantom Lady, Human Bomb, mm-hmm. etc. And we also have uh oh what's her fire? Starfire. Starfire. Starfire is yeah. there with Dr. Light. We, yeah, we have Starfire and Dr. Light who were there from when they were trying to um, help those universes previously. But that, that's not their home planet, is there? No. No. Although, actually, even the Freedom Fighters don't come from Earth-X. And it, Uncle Sam says it at the beginning. He says, sure, Starfire, I reckon we all remember Earths 1 and 2. Heck, it's hard to forget the place you come from. Oh, yeah. So they're just on Earth X because of the vibrational. No, they are there from I guess even earlier than than Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, so we just yeah, all right. They just I think they came over to fight Nazis because they really hate Nazis. Sure. Yeah, as one does. And then we see a little bit of a montage of the five Earths and kind of the turmoil that they're going through, mashups of different time periods. We got some Wild West people with some super, like, spacey settlements in the distance. Mm-hmm. We've got Atlantis out of the water with the Atlanteans living in the water. Right. And... They got that, like, Orion's Atlantis with today's Atlantis. Mm-hmm. There's a, 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 I think it's a Nazi pilot, but it, I don't know, it, it, you, I see, like, a little cross. It's a, a sinister-looking dude in a biplane. With a... Like a pterodactyl. Pterodactyl in the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we see Lady Quark. Yep. And a fireman trying to put out a fire in the background. Right. Um, Lady Quark's so funny in this where she says, the fire won't, will not harm me. <laughs> and he's mm-hmm. like, hey, back up from the fire. And she's like, fire doesn't hurt me. But this is actually the first we've seen the, of Lady Quark being okay, right? Since Pariah grabbed her issues ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And she's looking on at uh, Supermen. Supermans 1 One and 2 and from two. Earth 1 and 2. So mm-hmm. young Superman and old Superman. Mm-hmm. She's like, I, I don't know who they are, but they seem, I sense their greatness. They're great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, if I saw a dude in all spandex that ripped with a cape flowing in the wind, I that might be one of the things that I think about. <laughs> Uh, does that come up in job interviews? Wow, I really sense your greatness. I think that's a phrase that I need to start using. Like with students, like I see you're really off task right now, but I can sense your greatness. Sense your greatness. <laughs> uh, so the Superman are talking to Alexander Luther, where he's kind of giving him the skinny. Mm-hmm. And then we, um, on the next page, we have the title of this issue. Beyond the Silent Night. Yep. It's the Holy Night. That comes after. Yeah. Man, that would have been a good Christmas issue. Maybe if we would have, like, released actually every week, we could have gotten... We've never released uh, every week. We've... Every ah! other week when we were at our best. Every other week. Every other week? Yes. I thought we did a weekly once. No. Okay. Good no. for us, because weekly sounds very hard. Uh, kudos to all of you podcasters who can release weekly. So, and beyond the silent night, we have that rock that Lila and Alexander Luther and Pryor mm-hmm. were on with the representatives from, oh, so sorry, with the representatives from the six Earths. We've got Lady Quark from Earth 6. Superman of Earth 1. Uh, Uncle Sam from Earth X. Captain Marvel from Earth S. Mm-hmm. Uh, Superman from Earth 2. 
And Blue Beetle, who, and he's just like, stop introducing people. Uh, it's because <laughs> they couldn't actually think of anything particularly interesting about what, what to say about Blue Beetle. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a ship that looks like a bug. Yep. Bug ship. A bug ship. It's more than I got. <laughs> Put it on your business card. Christy doesn't own a bug ship. Um, so Lila says that she's going to explain um, kind of what, what where this all came about. Why, why is there a multiverse? Why is there a monitor? Why is there an anti-monitor? Mm-hmm. Why is it that you get hot dogs in packs of eight and buns only in packs of six? Why do birds suddenly appear every time you're near? <laughs> all right. So let's let's get down to where the multiverse came from. Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on. There is a little panel that I like a lot, that I liked a lot, with Lady Quark and the two Supermans. Mm-hmm. And Lady Quark is talking about how much she wants revenge on the enemy that destroyed her planet and her family. And the Supermans are like, we, we fight for what's right, not for revenge. And then she says, then you don't understand what it's like being your world's sole survivor. <laughs> like, I think we better talk. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that little it's literally bit. our entire deal. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. So then we get into Lila starting to explain this backstory. And can we talk about how much I how I love how George Perez has depicted kind of the flashback here? Any bit that's present time is like full color, bold, bright, whereas any of this flashback stuff, it looks like it has just a gray wash over it, which gives a very unique feel because some of those panels and text is layered on top of each other. So it really lets you very easily uh, discern what's present and what is flashback. Well, I don't know if we can necessarily give that credit to George Perez since he's the penciler. Whereas we could probably give more credit to the inkers and colorists, although even for the trade and for what's on your tablet, there's there was a color reconstruction person. <gasps> oh my goodness! And I was just singing his praises. So who who do I have to thank? Um, do we even know? Well, there are credits at the beginning. Okay. So we have, but it credits for the trade and credits for the digital different. Oh my goodness! Um, probably not. Probably not my my um. Um, trade paperback. Okay. Um, but the inkers are Dick Giordano, Mike DiCarlo, and Jerry Ordway. The colorists on the original series were Anthony Tallin, Tom Zuiko, and Carl Gafford. And the color reconstruction and enhancement artist was Tom McGraw. See, the color... Oh, yeah, there it is. There. I was looking at the front of mine, and I was not realizing that it was listed above. So, yeah, Tom McGraw. Maybe that's Possibly. who I have to think. Not to say, I mean, it's to, to I'm kind of sometimes not particularly smart when it comes to art credits um, and who kind of who does what in the comic book process. So, I mean, it it could have been more Perez than we're giving credit to. But, you know, a comic is the sum of its parts and we don't want to skip out on giving credit to all the people who are. I can it. I can see now why people want like original issues and like first prints to see how it because like i didn't realize color reconstruction was really i don't think it happens all the time because it just makes me curious to see like okay what was this like in issues right i mean printing technologies changed and stuff right but i don't think it happens all the time even on my marvel unlimited stuff i'm fairly certain like the jack kirby stuff is fairly similar 
All right. Granted, Jack Kirby didn't actually do the colors either. He did the pencils, but whatever. So let's get let's get back into this uh, origin <laughs> story since it is somewhat long. Yes. So we see Oa and the Owens. Yep. Who a world of immortals. Mm-hmm. The blue guys. Yeah. So these are the people who are the the leaders of the the. The Green Lanterns. They're called the Guardians of the of the Universe. Mm-hmm. And this is when their world was was somewhat new and Earth didn't exist yet. Yeah. They were like it. Mm-hmm. Sort of. So they had basically paradise, but then there was Krona. And yep. he's like, I want to figure out how the world began. Right. But they're all warning him in classic science fiction fashion that he, you know, his reach has exceeded his grasp. Which I'm like... So, should we not have investigated, like, the Big Bang Theory, or just, like... No, that that show (laughs) does not require investigation. I'm like, okay, how does, does, like, scientific exploration just always seem like in in comics that it leads to such terrible things? I mean... Unless it's Mr. Fantastic in Marvel. (laughs) Well, like, <laughs> to some extent, that's, like, the case in a lot of science fiction. I mean, it's I guess that's Jurassic true. Park. Science um, goes too far. Yeah. Be afraid of science. Yep. Yeah. How do you feel about that, scientist? Doesn't really bother me. <laughs> okay. I don't know. If I just had to watch something about the dangers of too much education all the time. <laughs> People shouldn't know. Well, I mean, to some extent, science has caused some problems, so it's it's tough I to I guess that's true. Always think of it. I mean, it's... It's not like a a being. It's it's a tool, not a right. You thing. can do bad things with science. So he takes a look at it, the origin of the universe. He he takes a gander using some cool machine, and he sees a shadow like a hand, like forming a cluster of stars. So I thought the whole thing of that was supposed to be that he basically saw like quote god creating the universe mm. but it's and like that, and that seeing that created something evil that we then see right but i don't know maybe i'm wrong but it does that that is what it looks like he looks and sees the origins of the universe and it is it is a blue hand like holding a mass stars. making stars like like like, like a little pizza it's a cluster of stars, like a like spinning it, like a the net. tiniest pizza if it fits in the palm of the hand. Just a little personal pan. That wouldn't even be enough pizza for for a little guy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that kid eats a lot of pizza though. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to our next page where we see a montage of the antimatter universe forming, sort of out of the positive matter universe, which this. I think is somewhat of a retcon because it's, it shows at the end of the last page as shown in green lantern number 40. I don't think it was shown in green lantern number 40, which is at this point, even kind of an old comic that Krona accidentally created the anti matter universe. I think it was originally, he accidentally created evil in the universe Mm. and they just kind of made evil. So so this is like kind of like the Adam and Eve story of dc they Um, lived in paradise but then you saw then you looked where you weren't supposed to yes and that then evil is there yeah okay i think so everybody's got that story yeah everybody does have that story so oa's sister planet um is mentioned as laying in the antimatter universe which is called cord which cord is a big green lantern thing there's there's bad guys on it called the weaponers of cord Mm-hmm. And they... They being the guardians of the universe of the Owens. Yeah, the 
Owens created a race of robot manhunters to control the evil brought about by Krona. Right. And they, they also, before we get too far ahead of it, they, they banish Krona oh, yes. for his crimes. Yeah, because he did he did a bad wrong. He did a bad wrong. Mm-hmm. But they abandon the idea of the Manhunters because they are robots, mm-hmm. and they decide to recruit Green Lanterns instead, since they're sentient beings. You know, they can make decisions and have compassion and stuff. So we got kind of the origins of the, the Green Lantern Corps here. Right, where the the origin of the Green Lantern Corps, I feel like, comes up a whole lot. But I think since they mentioned the Owens, they decided to keep going with it. Mm-hmm. There were some Owens that didn't like the Green Lantern Corps and kind of led to a, almost a civil war within the Owens. Yes. And half the population left Oa for another dimension and they took on the name the Controllers. Uh-huh. Yep. Which doesn't seem to really matter as to far as... Crisis too much at this point. No, it really doesn't seem to. So next, on the next page, we see the origin of the Anti-Monitor who came about on Quard's moon. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's in, like, a little pod or something, and then he just, like, pops his little hand out. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of they... reminds me a little bit of, like, the birthing uh, in Lord of the Rings of the... Urukai? Yeah, Urukai. Yeah. Like... It's a lot like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of, like, burst forth of some weird mud pod. Yeah. Right. It just makes me... <laughs> yeah, it's pretty gross. But on the moon of Oa, as a sort of counterstroke... The universe cosmically balances and creates the monitor at the same time. Right. Both equally kind of ooey-gooey, I think. Well, actually, anti-monitors is a little bit more rocky, while the monitors is more of the ooey-gooey. It is real ooey-gooey. Mm-hmm. It's got some, like, it's like a goopy hole with, like, kind of, like, veins and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty nasty. Sorry, monitor, you seem gross. Yeah. Your mom's weird. <laughs> Your mom, which is a goop, a goop puddle. So then the anti-monitor takes control of Korg. Mm-hmm. He gets really powerful. Yep. And he creates an army of warriors who look like a mixture of like spacemen and Valkyrie dudes. Yes. Yes, I said Valkyrie dudes. I know Valkyries aren't dudes, but they got weird winged helmets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he changes them into the shadow demon things that we've been seeing yeah because we needed an origin of them yeah we needed to know what that that was yeah and lila then mentions in narration which is kind of a fun little panel of her face at the end of this page mm-hmm. that he wanted more but he didn't know what else there was to conquer right however he then realized he was not alone and that the monitor existed Right. That's pretty cool to have that realization. I'm not going to question it. Right. They had like a between the worlds fight. Right. Which just looks like red lasers hitting yellow and blue lasers. And they basically, under that simultaneous attack, they both became immobile and unconscious. Right. Because they are, at this at this point in the, the story, one is no more powerful than the other. Yeah. They're completely equal. Mm-hmm. And they were for nine billion years. Right. Until, thanks, Pariah. Yeah, now we get to see all about Pariah's origin. He's going to take off his hood and tell us. Mm hmm. We can see those luscious lavender locks. Right. Appreciate my alliteration. Mm hmm. So, on his world, he had, he was like a brilliant scientist who had conquered all disease and had turned Earth into a paradise. 
Mm-hmm. But once again, science goes too far. Yeah, he does another science goes too far thing and decides to try to learn again about the origins of the universe. And they tell him, no, you can't learn about the origins of the universe because he discovered the existence of the multiverse. So he basically like found Krona's mess up and wanted to see the origin of the universe. Mm -hmm. However, he did it a little different. Instead of just kind of looking through like a cool scope like Krona did, he makes a little antimatter chamber Mm-hmm. In which he could penetrate the barrier between universes. And he could just step through this chamber, which seems bonkers to me. Right. Because it's made of antimatter. But You know. Uh, and this, you know, it was obviously pretty unsafe. And it destroyed his uh, his Earth, his universe. Right. He sees, well, he, he sees the hand mm-hmm. um, that Cronus saw. But he accidentally, the containment field or whatever, without precaution, he lets in the antimatter from... His weird cube. And then it annihilates his entire universe. Mm-hmm. He was fine because he was still in his little chamber, but everything else was... Right. Now, at this, the anti-monitor suddenly got more powerful because the antimatter universe was that much bigger. Which, mm-hmm. okay, the multiverse is a bunch of positive matter universes. And at this point, the antimatter universe is one universe. And yet the monitor and the anti-monitor are still equally powerful. So there aren't, like, antimatter duplicates of all of the universes? I It doesn't seem to indicate that. But I guess maybe there is? I don't know. That would make sense. But there definitely isn't anything that seems to say that there is. Because in DC, it seems to be, like, Earth 1, Earth 2, blank, blah, 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 antimatter universe. It's not antimatter multiverse. I, that's a good point. Good point. I'm not sure if this is something I can... I can suddenly find the answer to so the with this positive matter universe being destroyed the anti-monitor anti-monitor gained strength that was taken back from the monitor and then realized what he needed to do to gain power which is destroy these positive matter universes Mm -hmm. but the anti-monitor waking up also wakes up the monitor and he knows what his his anti-monitor brother was up to right so then we get to the point of the monitor creating his satellite to travel around with. Mm-hmm. And giving or the pariah his curse. Right. Mm-hmm. And getting weaker with each loss. And then we have a, a full panel to find out about where Lila came from. Mm-hmm. Um, the anti-monitor was in his satellite and saw her floating on a plank of wood in the ocean and snagged her up when she was a kid. And raised her. Yeah, and that's And it. suddenly she had powers somehow. Yeah, we don't get the power origin. Nope. Huh. Disappointing. But yeah. moving on. Very disappointing. Uh, Harbinger mourns killing him. Kill- him being the, the monitor. monitor. Sure. And everybody's like, hey, no, we you, you were controlled. But Lady Quark has lost all of her chill. Yeah, she's ready to kill Pariah, which you can't do anyway. Right. And Uncle Sam's like, hey... Hey, he's suffered enough. We don't need to fight each other. We need to fight the anti-monitor. Right. Then we see some of the heroes that are still on the Earths, as well as some of the heroes returning from this meeting, I guess, a little bit. We see Spectre and Deadman and the Phantom Stranger Mm -hmm. talking about... They're basically powerless at this point. Yeah, they can't. Their magic doesn't work in the antimatter universe. So they wouldn't reasons. be able to go. Right, because they're all kind of magic y people. Mm-hmm. Then we see Power Girl and um, Huntress mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. Helena Wayne, who Power Girl is kind of brooding because she can't go hang out with, I guess, the the representatives who are on the the Rock, because she uh, just really wants to help out. Mm-hmm. And well, it seems like at this point that there's some stuff that is maybe edited out that we haven't seen because we know from having read the comic that there are now a bunch more heroes than what were just on the rock that are getting ready to go into the antimatter universe. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of, it seems like this is just flashing to all of the people that didn't get to go. That's true. Which man, I'd bring power girl. She basically has Superman powers. You know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. And firebrand and the human bomb uh, are talking and like i wish we could go i'm scared for ray and going in the antimatter universe so yeah and then we got blue beetle yeah poor blue beetle even though he was the representative for their earth does not get to go on the mission they sent captain adam instead which captain adam is a pretty good choice he's the most powerful person from Mm -hmm. that universe and peacemaker's like they should have sent me but they can't take blue beetle because blue beetle can't fly only flyers get to go Mm mm-hmm Fly- yeah, there's a lot of flying discrimination in mm-hmm. this issue. Um, so then on Earth-S, the Marvels are talking about worrying about Captain Marvel, which I would have sent them too. They kind of have some pretty intense power. Mm-hmm. So all the people that got left behind are lamenting. The fact that they're left behind. Mm-hmm. So then we see on the rock, suddenly there's a lot more people than were just there, which is why I feel like... I mean, they they show us so much repetitive stuff that I'm like, you're not going to show us you, like, grabbing and deciding? I'm like, hey, I'm grateful for it. We probably don't need that. But we see on The Rock, uh, there's even more heroes, and we'll get into more of who they are as we start to see them. And they get, everybody gets their little cameo, their little bit. Right. The whole deal, though, is that Alexander Luther is going to send this group of heroes, who are a bunch of kind of the powerhouses of the DC universe, into the or into the antimatter universe, straight to the anti-monitor stronghold, where they are going to do like an all-out assault. Right. So, um, and since Alexander Luther is made of both positive matter and antimatter, which somehow is existing, he is able to increase the antimatter force within him and focus it through the barrier between. He's able to do comic book stuff and make a pathway. He makes a big old tunnel, and it's a really cool, like, storm-looking stream where he says, Hey, I can keep this open, but you need to go through this positive matter tunnel into the antimatter. Mm-hmm. There's a cool caption of, And so the universe opens like the biblical parting of that crimson sea. Behind them, five universes at the brink of destruction. Ahead, the unknown. <laughs> it, it, it is pretty cool. So... Pariah says, hey, I can lead you because I'm always drawn to danger. So let me lead you into danger. He is also indestructible. Yes, he can't You die. cannot kill Pariah. Mm-hmm. And so, and he can fly, apparently, at least in space, into the anti- And apparently teleport? Like, he... He has all these little powers that we're just kind of picking up on. Yep. They're just... <laughs> you know, he can also always pick out the freshest produce. <laughs> Hey, I would love that power. That yeah. would considering how much produce we buy on a weekly basis, our cart's like a meat and like <laughs> six different produces. Hey, we have we have well balanced plates. We eat some we eat some fresh veggies. Let me tell you, <laughs> they all take off flying. So this is why I said only the flyers get to go because they all flew in. 
Uh-huh. And gosh, can I tell you, there's just a lot of red, blue, and yellow here. We have some other colors. We have some pops of green, but most of these uh, in a little bit, yeah, but it's mostly red, blue, and yellow. Is this, does that have to do with early printing? Um, Maybe? Just very primary. This isn't like super early printing. I no, think it's, I, I it's just, just it's just I, comic booky. No, I just mean like the the, the characters. Oh, themselves. Being all that, eh, those could colors. be. I mean, superheroes tend to be pretty the bright primaries. Yeah. Although, what was like it's cyan. I can't remember the 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 printing colors originally, but it's it's like slightly different than primary colors. But yeah, I mean, there's there's so much red in superheroes. I feel like, mm-hmm. and especially in this group. Mm-hmm. But like, how many of them are Supermans and Superman adjacents wh- who have red capes? And yeah, then, and Marvels. Yeah, because red and blue is like part like of a America colors, and a lot of you know, right. This all of these people originated yeah. in America. Mm-hmm. We got we got Wonder Woman. Wait, Wonder Woman can't fly. She can fly. She can fly. Yeah, she could fly in the movie. I thought she just jumped really high. Oh, no, you're maybe right. Wonder, Wonder Woman can fly sometimes. <laughs> when the plot calls for it. Well, I've never been super clear on it either, because she's got that jet that turns invisible. Oh, right. But I've also heard, why does she need an invisible jet if she, if she can, can fly? fly. Um, there's no way that she could, if because if she could fly in the movie, then they wouldn't have taken the boat. Right? But then there's... It's, maybe she just jumps really high. and I don't know. But I don't think it's always been necessarily super clear if Wonder Woman can fly. In this, it sure seems like she can. Yeah, she looks pretty confident doing it. Hmm. So we just kind of have a whole page of them traveling on in through the through the breach. Um, there's a cool couple panels where it, everybody kind of almost has like photo negative looks to them. Yeah, because they're going into antimatter. Oh, that's probably why they did it. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, the the they say the interuniversal membrane is ruptured, and then poof, <laughs> they're in the antimatter universe. And guess what? They're going to touch antimatter, and they're not going to get annihilated by it. And it doesn't explain why. Comics. It yeah. doesn't need to. In real science, antimatter, antimatter, antimonitor, antimatter can't touch matter. It'll blow up. Well, there's a lot of things that happen in comics that don't happen in real science. Mm-hmm. So, well, so Pariah can sense the antimonitor's evil because I, that's... in a glowing asteroid. Yep. So they all fly off, capes, capes going behind them to this glowing asteroid. What I love is that the capes still seem to almost flow and flutter, and I don't know if that's how it would be in space. I think it would just kind of go straight out behind you. But um, we don't know what it's like in the antimatter universe. Maybe physics is crazy. <laughs> well, to be fair, he has this like stronghold that's just chilling out in space, and there's not doors. Right? It's just like a rock castle. They're mm-hmm. all breathing, too, I guess. Yep. Maybe the antimatter universe is just filled with oxygen. <laughs> well, that would actually be bad. Too much oxygen? I, I'm filled with air. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yes. Too much oxygen makes you high. So then we've get the, the got this big double-page splash of all of our heroes flying in towards the anti-monitors kind of 
stony stronghold. Yeah, which is interesting because there's bits on it. It almost looks like one spot there's like a gaping mouth. So it is, it does look like structured and structural, but it almost looks like rather than being carved out of stone, it was things that were turned into stone. It just kind of has that feeling to it. Yeah, it's kind of strange because there's like claws and stuff, but we're, we're going to find out more about that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So then we go back to the anti-monitor's room where he's watching all of this on. A screen! Yep, watching stuff on screen, the uh, supervillain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, except when they just sense things that are happening in another universe. That works, too. <laughs> so the anti-monitor notices all of them coming, and... He's like, hey, psycho pirate, make them my slaves, control their emotions. And he's like... Dude, you just had me control the emotions of the entire populations of like three different Earths. Like I am, I'm done. He needs right a, he needs a breather. And the uh, anti monitor like gets super upset, and he's like, oh, I didn't really need you to do that, but I needed you to do this. And like smack psycho pirate, and he's like, Fine, I'll do it myself. Jeez. Yeah, so now we see that the anti-monitor is going to be stepping into the fray. Mm-hmm. So then we see uh, Superman and Superman from Earth-1 talking with Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And talking about how he's a little bit worried. Right, and how their X-ray vision and some of their powers are kind of wonky in this universe. Mm-hmm. Because the physical laws are different, like you just said. You got me. You got me good, Christy. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Captain Adam. Captain Adam. He's wondering about his atomic powers. Yeah. And if they would work at all. Which is interesting. A lot of these superheroes have, like, physical law-based powers. Like, mm-hmm. will Dr. Light's powers work? Yeah, Dr. Light's here, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, hey, I'm ready to fight. Yeah. And we've got Ray uh, talking with Firestorm. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Firestorm's kind of just like you know up until now my my, everything I've treated everything like a game, but I'm 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 scared, dude. Right, it's a lot of man. We might all die here. Mm Hmm. And there's Lady Quark, and she she's like, this is a little bit too easy. Yeah, because they've just like they've they've kind of gotten into the into the fortress to some extent mm-hmm. and Bryce like well don't worry the danger is growing i'm feeling it right and then a on the next page a wall turns into a fist and grabs pariah mm-hmm. so basically it's like these stony structures that they've been flying through all come to life and start attacking the heroes superman from earth 2 gets walloped and he starts to bleed. Right. Which he's like, I haven't seen this, like, ever. Yeah, Superman doesn't really bleed unless he's facing something, like, amazingly powerful. But in this case, I don't think it's necessarily that the thing he's fighting is amazingly powerful or that the antimatter universe works differently. Right, because, I mean, they get their powers from the yellow sun. Right. And there's no yellow sun here. Right, and even, like, would the yellow sun even work the same way? Right. And Lady Quark gets grabbed as well, and her nuclear powers don't have really much of an effect on them. So, and yeah, it's not looking great. Then the rocks start shooting lasers at Ray and Firestorm. Mm-hmm. And another one kind of turns into like a dragon and attacks Mon-El, who Mon-El is a member of the Legion of Superheroes, who 
is somewhat of another Superman analog. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And then we see uh, Anti-Monitor here in the center of the page, kind of like almost as if he's kind of the one controlling all of this. And we see a panel of Jade and uh, Green Lantern from Earth. Two, two, who is her dad? Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a it's a father daughter dance of sorts. Yeah, and they're trying to avoid a rock monster who's come to life. He's got like a hammer fist. Mm-hmm. And Captain Marvel and Martian Manhunter, mm-hmm. who are also being attacked by a whole bunch of them. Little hands. Just yeah, the little hands. And they are not doing well against these these creatures. They seem to be knocking them down, and they just come back because they're just made of rock, and they'll just reform. Mm-hmm. And Superman from Earth-1 and uh, Supergirl are kind of able to break them, break the rocks up a little bit, but the rocks just reform as soon as they're getting broken up. Right, and even Captain Adam, who can turn the rocks into, like, little pebbles, the pebbles just turn back into big rock people. Mm-hmm. Then Supergirl has a very bright idea. You guys break them up and I can use like super, my super breath, like the one time it's really useful and just scatter those pieces as far apart as I possibly can. Right. She said, she calls it one of her dumber powers, but she scatters these pebbles so far apart that it's difficult for them to reform. Yeah, it takes longer for them to be reformed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like the one useful idea they've had so far so yeah we see more of folks fighting we see firestorm and ray again and firestorm's like talking to professor stein in his head because you know firestorm's two dudes in one (laughs) two for the price of one two dudes and he's like hey professor stein come on what do i what do i do and he's like well the antimatter is affecting your powers so things aren't working like normal right and we see Green Lantern and Jade uh, still blasting things and noticing that Superman and Supergirl are managing to get through all of this. Right. Yeah. And they, they go past Monel and Wonder Woman who are fighting. This, I love that panel. Well. I think it's cool. so cool because Superman's like zooming right by in the foreground and in the background. Wonder Woman is like wielding her lasso so quickly that it looks like it's maybe like two or three different lassos. Mm-hmm. George, hey, hey, uh, readers, George Perez does good art. <laughs> and uh, we have Pariah asking uh, Superman from Earth 2 where the other Superman is. And I, I guess guess they didn't notice them somewhat um, sneaking forward or ha- are they already? No. OK, yeah, they're catching they're catching up. Right. And we see Lady Quark and Dr. Light. Everybody's just trying to blast these rocks and break them up. A lot of rock blasting. Right. And then we see that Superman from Earth-1 is like, hey, where, where's Pariah at? And he's asking this to Superman from Earth-2, who's currently like being crushed by some rocks. He's like, well, he continued on with the female Dr. Light. So Superman keeps gone going. Mm-hmm. So the female Dr. Light, uh, which we could just call Dr. Light because the other Dr. Light right. is not in this. And right. that's fine. He's a bad guy and he's kind of awful. Mm-hmm. Um, she and Pariah are forging ahead. I love that she just rides on light. It is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. She does seem she does seem pretty, pretty neat. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, have Pariah that suddenly vanishes. 
Yeah, he gets squished by a mountain and he's definitely dead. Except we just heard like a couple pages ago that he's invulnerable from harm and that no one should worry about him. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Light zooms ahead uh, as soon as she sees Superman because the anti-monitor killed Pariah and she's going to make him pay. And, uh, and, and Superman's like, come on, he can't die. <laughs> right, but she's she's die. gone. But he's starting to notice that she's she's a little bit less... The beginning of when we encountered this Dr. Light, she seemed a little... She's a little rough around the edges. Right, and she's kind of starting to become a little more heroic that he's noticing. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to let her face the anti-monitor by herself, so he zooms after her. Mm-hmm. And they find this giant machine that's like a solar collector. Yeah, uh, it's obviously converting starlight into energy, says Dr. Light. She knows things because she's a scientist. She knows science things. When you're a scientist in comic books, you're an you're an everything scientist. Uh huh. You don't you don't you're not an expert on just one area of science. It's all science. Mm-hmm. Every science. Mm-hmm. You can. You're also an engineer. Yes. Yep. And a medical doctor. And a medical doctor. <laughs> you you are all you are you are in every science. She also apparently can just tell that it reduces the vibrational energy between the Earths, which Mm -hmm. is making the Earths come closer together sooner. So this is the machine that they basically need to destroy. She's like, oh, but I could discover so much if I could just study it. And Superman's like, no, we definitely got to destroy this. Right. But before Superman can wallop it with his super punches, he is blasted from behind by none other than the anti-monitor. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Supergirl hears him yelling and zooms off to help him as soon as she mm-hmm. possibly can. Right, because she knows that he needs her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get a lot of dialogue that is really like building up here that Supergirl knows that whatever's hurting Superman, if it can hurt Superman, it could really hurt her too. But even knowing this, she rushes into danger. Like they're really building up to this death. This Here. this this uh, cover promise death of right. Supergirl. So she she zooms off towards Superman. Superman is getting just walloped by the anti monitor. Mm-hmm. And Superman is is you know he's the most powerful superhero in DC. You know he's the guy. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Light tries to do some stuff too, um, but not. Doesn't seem like it's super, super effective. No. The anti-monitor just kind of seemingly knocks her aside with one blast before... He's like, I'm going to deal with you after I kill Superman. Right. And he is just beating the ever-living heck out of Superman. Mm-hmm. And Supergirl can hear Superman breathing because, of course, she's got super hearing. Mm-hmm. And can tell that the anti-monitor is killing him. Right. So... She's very urgent. She flies past, or we see um, Martian Manhunter and Captain Marvel yeah, there's doing a, their best. There's a fun kind of panel where Martian Manhunter, who can kind of control the molecules of his body to some extent, has a bit of like a stretchy fist, mm-hmm. and it goes between, like a, a panel goes over it, so it's mm-hmm. here, then keeps going. Yeah. yeah looks, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then we see... Uh, Pariah, who is just being crushed between some rock here. Yep. Uh, he's, he's getting Not out, dead. No, of course he's not dead. He can't die. And Supergirl asks Pariah where Superman is, and he's like, hey, I don't know, but I there, there's death everywhere here. Things are bad. Yep. And she's like, but there's always hope. 
Yeah, Pariah is like the ultimate pessimist. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's that in here. Um so right it looks like the anti monitor is about to deal somewhat of like a, a mortal blow to Superman. And then in the scene that kind of like is like a giant panel and three panels within it. George, I've, I've noticed George Perez doing this where he makes little boxes mm-hmm. like within panels to almost make little sub panels of like, here's where your eye is right. drawn for the action. To, to show you almost like a time lapse of images within the same background with different things happening at different points within that larger panel. Right. And so he does this as Supergirl flies through the wall and has like a shoulder tackle into the anti-monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, as she kind of thinks in her mind that, that, uh, she's not, to her, she has never been good enough, like, compared to Superman, but that she will always try to live up to his ideal. Right. And she is unrelenting here. And Dr. Light almost, she's, she's amazed at this. She's like, Supergirl is not giving up. Yeah, and Supergirl. And she's, she's like, completely given up any any regard for her own well-being and she's dr light's like wow that's mm-hmm. okay uh so a lot of fighting a lot of supergirl really just getting kind of punched back but it looks like she's dealing some damage too right there's a bit where the anti-monitor looks like he's gonna try to kill superman again and she like picks up a bit of the floor and like rips it up and like sends if you him think flying. about somebody doing it with like a rug or a sheet or a piece right. of fabric she does it with rock <laughs> yeah with like a whole bunch of rock and sends him flying mm-hmm. and we have this kind of like long monologue here that's really supposed to kind of build up your, if you weren't already like a big Supergirl fan at this point, that's really trying to invest you in her. And she she basically talks about how she's always held life in really high regard, but the anti-monitors is the one life that she's not holding in high regard here. Like, she's like, I would never kill a person, but I'm going to kill you. Yeah, and... Um, since he, he kind of looks like a robot man, the, the anti-monitor, he's actually like a being of like somewhat energy encased within a metal shell. And so she's punching the shell and it's starting to break. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Light, as she looks on, it's like, wow, this is what a hero is all about. Supergirl's totally changed my outlook on everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just right there. Right. Um, and, uh, the anti-monitor tells a supergirl that he's destroyed most of her body or she's destroyed most most of his body and he he's like he he's like i can't wait anymore uh you're dead right so he he tries this with all of his power to destroy the rest of them like everybody mm-hmm. and the world like he wants to destroy everything right now right so he supergirl tells Dr. Light and Superman to get out of the antimatter universe as mm-hmm. fast as possible. Yeah, he tells she tells Dr. Light, you've got to save Superman. Because Superman's really weak and busted up at this point. Right. And Kara grabs the anti-monitor, who's sort of not really corporeal anymore, to, I guess a, enough to grab, and sends him flying into his vibrational machine and blows it up with a scrublam. Mm-hmm. And, uh, with some great lines here is, as uh, I'll destroy you, Monitor, your plans are finished. It's all over. And over 
And we have a great scribblam sound effect there. Mm-hmm. I love the scribblam. And Dr. Light is uh, drawn to want to help Supergirl, but she insists, no, go, leave. Um, and as she turns to talk to Dr. Light, she suffers a fatal blow. Yeah, the anti-monitor shoots some beam of energy at her, which seems to sort of go through her. Mm-hmm. And the anti-monitor just kind of, he scarpers after this. He is, he's out. Mm-hmm. It looks like he gets in a rock rocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that his body is destroyed and that he needs time to heal. However, Supergirl is not going to be doing any healing. No. No. We uh, see Wonder Woman and mon seeing the anti-monitor shoot away. Um, we see Ray and Firestorm um, see some sort of, uh, or are noticing that the fortress is crumbling apart, mm-hmm. uh, as well as our Green Lantern and Jade, everything's falling apart. Yep. And we see uh, Wildfire basically talking via headset, because he's got like a, he, he's fully encased because he's Mu- yeah, anti-energy, mu- right? Yeah, much like the anti-monitor, he has sort of like a life suit. Mm-hmm. And he lets Green Lantern uh, know that the machines were have been destroyed, uh, but that there is a casualty. And right. we see Martian Manhunter and Superman from Earth 2. Uh, looks like maybe close to tears, uh, or at least pretty darn upset. Mm-hmm. And as Superman from Earth 1 cradles Supergirl. Um, mm-hmm. and she's, she's slipping away. Dr. Light looks on, Pariah looks on, Lady Quark's looking on as well as uh, Captain Marvel. Yep. Kara's last things to, or words to Superman, she says, I love you so much for what you are, for how good you are. And then that's, that's it. Kara zor dies. You know, I'm going to tell you when I was reading this that I wasn't too moved, but now talking about it. Yeah. It's a little sad. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, comic book deaths. I, I don't, we'll see at the end of this crossover, but to some extent the deaths in this crossover are, they, they just seem like they could have like immediately be fixed. I could, I don't remember when Kara comes back because Kara is currently in right. comic books. And I know it's comics and nobody's dead forever. Right. But you know, sometimes those deaths, they're, they're real hard. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we've got Earth 2 Superman attempting to come comfort Earth 1 Superman as he is, um, raging sad. Yeah, at the anti-monitor and says, like, let's not, we've, like, we finally have a chance to save our worlds, let's not hunger for vengeance and... Mm Mm-hmm, he's, he's like, uh, Kara did this, you know, to give us a chance to save our worlds, let's not waste her sacrifice. Right. Basically. So, they get, they, um, grab... Supergirl's body and they leave the antimatter universe as the fortress of the antimonitor blows up. Mm-hmm. And the five universes are frozen in time and space. They're not fully merged, but mm-hmm. they're not really safe yet either. Um, so they've stopped some of the bad from happening, but they haven't fixed everything yet. Mm-hmm. So the whole next page is dedicated to basically like, the morning of Supergirl, right? Media response and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And we see Lana Lang reporting uh, on Supergirl's death and that she sacrificed her life to save everybody. Mm -hmm. And that there are a bunch of people um, gathered in Chicago to mourn her. Right. And then there is Batgirl who is speaking at a podium in front of uh, a ton of people with a huge portrait uh, or broadcast of Supergirl behind her. Mm -hmm. And... Do we wanna do we wanna full on read this little eulogy? Give it its due. Sure, go for it. Kara is a hero without equal. She was often my confidant and always my friend. Kara was a hero who, yes, cared about herself, but always seemed to care more for others. It is easy to dismiss the something special that made her a hero because she had powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. But a hero is not measured by what her power may be, but by the courage she shows in living, and the warmth she holds in her heart. Let her courage give us courage. Let her love give us love, and let her hope give us hope. Kara is a hero. She will not be forgotten. And with that, we are on the final page of this issue, where... Superman goes to his fortress of solitude. Mm-hmm. And he is wrapped... Kara up in the it's her cape I guess her cape yeah. um, with the S on it which I'm not sure how it was for Kara but for Superman his cape is made out of the baby blanket that he was wrapped in mm-hmm. so I feel like he thinks of that as like a very like significant thing right where and he's kind of reflecting on his time getting to know her discovering her in an orphanage right the whole deal with her was that she was she came to earth and she was supposed to be older than him right but she got hit in a time distortion and came after superman was already pretty much an adult Mm -hmm. and he you know thought about how proud that he was of her Mm -hmm. um and he says i live on hurt but not disillusioned sad but still hopeful that the dreams shared by you and me and all those others, those with special powers, and especially those with none, those dreams of peace and hope can still come true. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll go ahead and, yep. We live on remembering and honoring the past, but always looking to the future. Goodbye, Kara. Linda Lee, Supergirl. I will miss you forever. Yeah. And then we have um, a quote from the Declaration of the Free. Mm-hmm. Is there beyond the silent night an endless day? Is death a door that leads to light? We cannot say. And with that, the issue's over. Yeah. Big double-sized issue. Um, It looks... I think that's the only double-sized issue we're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a, a doozy. Yeah. Uh, accolades? Accolades. All right. Do we want to start with your best line? Sure. My best line. Um, well, you kind of t- stole my thunder stole a little thunder bit. I kind of stole your thunder on it. Right. But it was specifically, you know, like Gar Beast Boy is kind of a creep in Teen Titans, but he just gets a lot of the good one-liners in these issues. Mm-hmm. And it's specifically, 
This line to me was so memorable that I remember it from the first time I read Crisis on Infinite Earths because I thought it was so <laughs> ridiculous. Which is when he says Captain Marvel, Mary Marvel, Captain Marvel Jr., now Uncle Marvel. If Kid Marvel, Baby Marvel, and Fetus Marvel show up, I quit. Like I, I thought, like if Kid, if Baby Marvel showed up, I quit. Would have been like totally fine. But they just take it to like the nth degree. Yeah, they took it to Fetus Marvel. Fetus Marvel, Zygote Marvel. Oh, yeah, it's a pretty good one, which I did mention that it was my my runner up. But I thought last time I think I gave Beast Boy my best line. And or, I, I probably did, too. I think it was uh, like, did you get the license plate on the so, something like that? So right. my best line actually is going to go to Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to Pariah um, when the Pariah is like, hey, I need you to come to this meeting. And he's like, can the telethon, pal? You got our donation. I'll join your gab fest. Oh, Blue Beetle. <laughs> he's such a goober. All right. So greatest hero. I, we, it has to be Supergirl. It has to be. There's nobody else to give it to. I mean, I part of me wanted to be snarky and try. Um so my snark here is that uh, that Supergirl gets greatest hero because she her her super strong breath was really useful. She was the most useful. But really, we know Supergirl <laughs> was just awesome. Yeah, for... she beat the ever living heck out of the Anti Monitor mm-hmm. at the cost of her own life with no regard for self. Yeah, if that's not a superhero, I don't know what is. So. If you didn't see it coming, that was a that was a daily double. <laughs> yeah. Um so what was your um my coolest moment uh was them entering the anti-monitor or the anti-matter universe. Uh mm. the whole Alexander Luther creating the passageway, them actually flying in. You just had some really cool art and it's kind of you know cool hand wavy comic books this is how it all right works so i thought that was pretty cool i mean it wasn't like a super big action-packed moment but i felt like the whole greatest hero being supergirl was kind of a encompassed a lot of the big action moments anyway and then i thought that was just kind of a cool moment yeah um I pretty much picked that as well, specifically that that big page with, like, the swirling maelstrom where they specifically reference, and so the universe opens, like, the biblical parting of that crimson sea. That's my coolest moment. Mm -hmm. So we we kind of daily doubled twice. Uh, Yeah, I I focused almost, like, the panel that I picked out was, like, the double page um, with them actually flying in. Like, I thought the entrance into the universe was pretty cool, but I love, you know, I you gotta love the big double page spreads. Yeah, double page spreads, especially when they have, like, a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. The, I've seen some comics where the double page spreads are, like, a character punching another one, turn the page, it's another double page spread of that. Oh, uh, I feel like that's a, that's a waste. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe? Mm, it, I mean, it works sometimes, but it, it's funny because, like, the comic takes, like, five minutes to read if it's all double page spreads. All right. Who gets your Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy? My Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy goes to Savannah because there's that little bit where he specifically says, I don't know what's happening, but I'm not going to tell him that to Captain Marvel, (laughs) which is the pettiest crap. He's disappearing off of the planet. And it has no idea what's going on. And instead but rather of, than panicking. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, screw you, Captain Marvel. <laughs> uh, so my Crusher Creole Award for Silly Villainy 
um, actually goes to the anti-monitor, okay. even though I don't know that they were intentionally trying to depict him being silly. But I just, in his exchange with Psycho Pirate, I just imagined him as like a little kid having a tantrum. I specifically said the anti-monitor's tantrum. He's like, what do you mean you can't do it? This is the whole reason I invited you over to play anyway. Man. You didn't bring your cool toys? <laughs> I feel like he's so mustache twirly in that little bit. He's just like so like, like my plans are ruined. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, this is what you were saving Psycho Pirate for? How did you foresee this? Like, <laughs> He just seems like he's making crap up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah, definitely anti-monitor seeming like a little kid having a tantrum. It's mm-hmm. pretty great. So, what did you think of this issue? This might be my favorite issue so far. I mean, there's a lot that happens, and part of that cause it's, is because it's bigger, but a lot of action. It didn't seem bigger. It Yeah. Um, I think because it was broken up kind of into enough sections. Sometimes these issues have seemed a little bit longer because it's like the same thing happening just on different Earths. Right. But this we have our, all right, we need to let the people know what's going on. We get the people. We meet with the people. They find out about the backstory. Then we get everybody together to go into the antimatter universe. Then huge, super awesome fight scene. Then morning death. Yeah. So we have like six different little arcs, which I think keeps it moving faster rather than focusing on one large over. I mean, yes, we have a large overarching goal, but it's not like we're spending this entire issue. Like if they spent a whole issue just going into the antimatter universe and we didn't have those other things, it would have seemed long and tedious. Yeah, that is totally fair. But yeah, I it was pretty into this issue. Didn't seem to take a whole lot of time. Mm-hmm. It was pretty great. Right. And I feel like, honestly, maybe this is an issue that you could almost read alone out of context of the rest of this. Like, yeah, you wouldn't know Pariah and Lila and Alexander Luther, but you get a ton of backstory in this issue and you have that great so if you want to read the death of supergirl i feel like you wouldn't be completely and totally lost picking this up because they actually aside from some of the first few pages do a really good job of introducing and naming all of the their characters Mm -hmm. as we see them and really explaining everything so this one wouldn't be a bad one to pick up, which is kind of weird to say for me for Crisis. I mean, I'd still, like, read it in order. I don't... But, I, like, now there's no point in not reading it in order. Right. But I it, I wonder if they wrote it that way because that is, like... Let's say, like, you were someone like maybe my dad who read comics in the 50s when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then, like, suddenly, like, were was, like, in, at a newsstand in the 80s and then saw this cover. Right. That's, that's like a that's like a pickup point right there. In fact, I think my dad maybe did pick this up. There's a couple of Crisis on Infinite Earths issues that he picked up. Mm. It's this one and another one. Maybe it's not this one. It was like it was just a couple of them though, and I think he literally just saw the cover and was like, right. "Holy crap!" Right. And maybe like you pick this up and you're like, "Oh, this is issue seven. Like you could maybe read it and kind of get interested in the story, and then you would want to go back and get the first six. Right. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, I know they say don't judge a book by its cover, but in comics, I feel like they kind of almost count on you doing that sometimes. Oh, yeah. They specifically make, like, covers and they're, that, like... I mean, covers, can, that's why covers can become iconic. Like, you don't think about, 
oh gosh, that iconic Harry Potter cover. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, not compared to comics. Right. Yeah. True. So all in all, good issue. Thanks, readers, for listening. Yeah. We apologize for the giant gap between last episode and this one. But if you made it with us this far, you know that we are we are busy people who are doing this for your enjoyment and for ours as well. And we we ask really nothing in return except that <laughs> you share with people and keep tuning in. Yeah. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter. Uh, or Facebook, we are at Chris's Pod. Yep, you can email us at Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. We appreciate you rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Stitcher, or all the pod things. But until next time, slay your enemies, and all you desire shall be yours. <laughs>